In this episode of the Phantom Jukebox, we continue our journey with Tupac. We begin learning of his final moments, discuss the possible suspects of his murder, and explore a tailor-made world of Tupac conspiracies and how they find their way to persist even today. Welcome to the Phantom Jukebox. I'm Ty Lindsay. And I'm Joseph Shannon. And we're two musicians that dive into the world of music, their myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. You can uh, find this show on Apple, Spotify, any of your major streaming platforms like Podbean, uh, currently Samsung Free or Samsung Podcast. Yes. Um, you know, that's it. That's I don't know if they're quite done with that one, but it's on there. <laughs> I haven't heard any major releases of it, but suddenly we're on Samsung. We're ready before they are. I suppose so. Somebody thought so. But um, especially Samsung, uh, that's not Samsung, especially Spotify and Apple have rating features. Any, if yes. any of them have any rating features, please give us five stars or check marks or leave us a comment to tell us what you think about the show, what your favorite episode might be, or a future topic you might want to hear. And we'll go through it and we'll try to put it in our schedule. Whether it's critiques or compliments, we love them all. We honestly do. We do. As artists, that's just a, uh, as uh, musicians ourselves, that's just a part of the game and that's the best way to grow. You can be honest with us. We like honesty here. When we finish wiping away the tears, we'll finish reading that note (laughs) and then apply them to the best of our abilities. But we are also on Twitter at Phantom Jukebox underscore, Facebook at Phantom Jukebox, Instagram at Phantom Jukebox podcast. We're all over the place. Just Look us up. I actually did a, a Spotify search the, today, and I, I typed in Phantom J, and we popped up on Spotify. Boom. There you go. That easy. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have to spell out jukebox. That's, I barely know how to do that myself. <laughs> so for the first part of this, we're going to continue where we left off mm. of our part one episode, which was just getting into Tupac's final night. Ah, yes. There's a lot to cover, so we're just going to get right into it. What are your thoughts so far, Joe, of Man. this story? Because the first episode was everything that has happened. Like, that was more of a breakdown of his life. Yeah, Like, dates and names kind of thing. And now we're going to, the first part of this is going to be the tail end of that, and then we're going to get into some of the more conspiratorial sides of things. So we're going to be yes. real serious for a while, and then we kind of get the tinfoil hat stuff later on. But... Of the journey so far, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, man, you almost kind of feel sad for Tupac, uh, Tupac in the whole, uh, well, you can either stay in jail or I can buy your freedom at a cost. Oh, the Suge Knight deal. Yes. The, the Faustian deal almost. And uh, I wouldn't like to be forced to join a gang, so. Well, he, was, he wasn't really forced to. It was his... Uh, I guess that or stay in jail. It's a, it's kind of a, it's not it's yeah. a heavy hand. That is a very, a very heavy guiding hand. And he definitely had him. Suge Knight definitely had him where he wanted him to take the deal. Mm, yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
he seemed like a really complicated guy. I'd like for this story to, you know, get better for Tupac, but I don't think it's going to. Unfortunately, it 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 doesn't. It doesn't get yeah. better. Yeah, sadly. So let's continue on. Uh where we left off, like uh we had talked about him kind of his very, very humble beginnings. Uh, his mother being a part of the Black Panther Party and yes. how that was just a very, like, social issues and injustices in his life and basically just being dirt poor, like, actual poor. Like, not, yeah. not oh, man, I'm broke this week. No actual homelessness in times. So he had, he had the actual street cred that he was talking about. Yes. And he had this bright moment for just a little while where he went to the school in Baltimore that really encouraged him to be the artist that he probably actually was. And then, you know, it, one way or another, he, he has an image he has to follow or he actually believes this thing. People thought there were two sides to Tupac, really. Mm. And he goes to prison for... Uh, it's something he may or may not have done. And then, like you said, Shook Knight comes in with this kind of, you know, Tupac didn't think he would do well in prison because he had a lot of enemies based on his, you know, his uh, catalog. Yeah. Listing them out, basically. And, uh, yeah, Shook Knight kind of gave him this deal. He kind of really couldn't refuse. Mm, he was yeah. in prison for like four months, I believe, at the time. And then he he could have served up to five years. Yeah. So... Which is a long time to spend around people uh, that you openly dissed. Yeah, a, a, a large number of those people actively hating you. Not just yeah. fresh meat, like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard what you said. That's the man who called my mama ho. I got, yeah. your, I got your name written in lipstick on the wall. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little worse. Yes. So he gets out, joins um, Death Row Records. And he, get, he has to sign this deal that he has to make three albums. He releases a double album, which is considered one of his best. The first double album in rap, which I think is a really cool achievement. Yeah. That's considered good. It's not just time killer. It's, it's yeah. not fluff. It's actually considered a good double album, which is difficult to do in any genre. Yeah. And then we're kind of at the point of him making the third of those albums. Okay. Right now. So we come to September 7th, 1996. Tupac and Shook Knight and their group, which some people say was up to a group that required up to like 10 cars. Like this was a proper caravan wow. <laughs> of cars that were driving around. I don't join gangs. I join caravans. Maybe so. Uh, but this group, like the Tupac was in uh, Vegas, I think it was a, it was a family vacation kind of thing. They were celebrating birthdays or something like mm. that. And while he was there, they went to a Mike Tyson fight in Vegas. That night was actually the Vegas, the, uh, the Mike Tyson fight wow. that he, that Mike Tyson won. in, I think it was a literal minute. <sighs> like Mike Tyson KO'd the Damn. guy. I think it was an actual minute or maybe even less. The, the reports say an anticlimactic Mike Tyson fight. Wow. Because <laughs> he just put the guy down very quickly. Uh, Mike Tyson and Tupac uh, knew each other. I believe, okay, I believe yeah. they were friends yeah. as well. So after the fight, um, they're walking through the MGM hotel in Las Vegas. And 
one of Shook Knight's guys sees a member of one of the Southside Crips. And Tupac oh. is with this group. Yes. So, you know, this uh, Southside Crip guy apparently had stole jewelry from one of the members of uh, the uh, Mob Piru, okay. which is a member of, which is kind of like a splinter group of the Bloods. Yes. The basically main rival gang to the Crips. The Crips are mostly on like the East Coast, New York, that kind of thing. So basically New York's home base for the Crips, which their color is mainly blue or gray, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And the Bloods, which is red, are mainly in California, but they're West, considered West Coast. Mm-hmm. So uh, for one reason or another, they, they see a Southside Crip that they think robbed one of the members that was in Tupac's group, and they proceed to beat the living hell out of the uh the Southside Crip guy. Oh. In the lobby of the MGM. Wow. So Hotel breaks up the fight and then Tupac heads to his room in the Luxor uh hotel. Okay. Because he was staying there. So later that night they leave the Luxor and head to Suge Knight's club called Club 662. Tupac was scheduled to perform there. Surprise, surprise. Nice. The man who basically owns your the next three, you know, your three albums, and they basically owned you for like three years. Yeah. Musically, um, has you scheduled to play his show while you're in town? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't. Eh. Not out of the ordinary. I think in a in a vacuum situation, that's probably normal, but I don't think he had much choice. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like any artist and record deal would do the same thing i think so yeah i mean if like taylor swift was on a a record label and the the company who owned that record label also owns a club or like a a music venue oh you're in town you're gonna play here too yeah i mean uh and at this point uh tupac is at the peak of his career like the the prison thing like fame wise didn't really hurt him Every one of his albums that have sold so far, after the first one, the first one he released went gold, mm-hmm. like a number of times gold. Yeah. The next album was platinum, and it was basically platinum after that. Wow. So, which is incredible. That's an incredible feat, and that is... Especially when you're contracted for three albums, I feel like any... There's a lot of people who would just be like, okay, what's the minimum amount of songs I can put on an album and just toss some garbage to get out of it legally? Yeah. But he's like, no, if I'm going to write albums, they're going to be good. Yeah, I think he definitely, um, whatever image he put out, he definitely wanted his, his music to be good. We're going to yeah. talk about it uh, a little bit later on, but he had a certain view of what he thought a good rapper, there's a criteria that he thought a good rapper was. Mm. So he's scheduled to perform at the 662. Tupac rides along with Suge Knight while the rest of the group follow in other cars. Like I said, up to 10. Wow. Normally, Tupac rode with his bodyguard, Frank Alexander. But on this occasion, Suge Knight wanted to have a private conversation with Tupac. So Tupac asked, his, uh, asked Frank Alexander to drive one of the cars behind them because the crew was going to drink. Yeah. So he would be the DD. At 11.15, while at a stoplight on East Flamingo Road in Coval Lane in Las Vegas, a white late model Cadillac pulls up to the right side of Suge Knight's car. Ooh. Seated in the back of the Cadillac 
the uh, window rolls down and a gun comes out of like the back window and it rapidly fired gunshots directly into Suge Knight's car. Wow. Uh, it was from a, uh, a 40 Smith and Wesson Glock 22, uh, at, uh, basically directly at Shakur. Like he was basically when he pulled the gun out, he was basically right at Shakur. Wow. From like basically point blank range at this distance, closer than this distance from me to you at this table, which were like three feet apart. Yeah. Wow. Staring deeply into your eyes. Yeah. Uh, some sources say they fired up to 14 shots. Wow. That particular magazine holds 15 rounds. So that, that could very well be. Yeah. It's not like he stopped to reload. He just fired all but potentially one round of a full clip. Man. Of those 14 shots, Shakur was hit four times. Twice in the chest and once in the arm, once in the thigh. So it went through the door. Jeez. Uh, one of the bullets went into Shakur's right lung, and Suge Knight was actually hit in the head by a, like a, a frag, like a, a part of the bullet like breaking off. Wow. And he got, he got hit in the head with it. But it wasn't, uh, it, kinda, it was like a deep grazing. It didn't like stick in. It basically yeah. like buzzed the side of his head. Damn. Yeah, it was, that still it would be crazy. So Knight, in kind of like a panicked mode, um, gets the car in drive and basically makes it a mile. Like just in shock and reflex, puts the car in drive and just books it out of there. Jeez. And makes it a mile from the scene. Uh, they get a tire that blows out on the car and they basically has to pull over because I think the adrenaline probably finally wore down. And then um, the cops kind of swore them scene because they think for a second that this car has got like an active shooter or something in it. And... um. Shook Knight didn't really know how long this was going to go on if there were more cars, so he was just trying to get away. Yeah. So this was him trying, this is self-preservation of just like bailing out of the scene. So eventually the, the uh, uh, blown tire makes, them, makes him have to pull over. Uh, eventually he gets out of the car and a cop describes the situation as blood coming out of his head like gushing. Mm. Just I guess from like the stress, like his blood pressure is really high, so like blood was coming out. Wow. And he noticed... Uh, Tupac in the car not being able to move because the guy's been hit four times. Yeah. Collectively, Tupac's been shot nine times between wow. the first event that happened in New York uh, in like November a while ago and uh, this occasion here. Yeah. Hit nine times. <laughs> Jesus. So, uh, again, that's all together. This time he was hit mm. four. So he gets rushed to the university medical center where his uh, right lung has been punctured. And he had to go, he went, underwent two emergency uh, surgeries. Uh, they had to remove his right lung because it had collapsed in. And uh, in basically the course of things, induce him into a, uh, uh, a chemical coma. Wow. To try to help him recover. Um, I, I, there's some stories where he was, he might've been conscious. It, it, I can't, yeah. I didn't really get a clear answer on that. Uh, and then unfortunately, uh, about a week later, September 13th, just shy of a week later, September 13th, 1996, Tupac is declared dead at 25. Wow. 25. 25? He was 25. That's a year younger than me. 
he god damn yeah he so he hit the ground running and he was just just there and gone he didn't even make the 27 club wow that's so young yeah it is but he he accomplished so much from literally nothing yeah like people think uh i believe there's a class dedicated to him at uh, berkeley about the way he wrote music uh so many rappers have been inspired by his music but he was like he was only around again it was uh, kind of like hendrix it was like four-ish years Jeez. from the time like he got yeah. started to pick up steam to where i mean he gets killed in 96 wow that is insane i was really kind of i kind of had to double check that but yeah it's he died at 25 that is insane yeah that's really really sad and it was yeah. it seemed like he um again it's, it's not a rap's not a genre i really get into but i understand like uh especially doing the research in this his appeal and how layered some of his stuff actually was. Yeah, definitely. Some of it was, some of it were party tracks, but there's a music video that talked about, uh, um, I think we talked, we talked about it in part one. There was like this, uh, song about women's empowerment. Yeah. I said he was, it was kind yeah. of, he was this, this kind of polarizing figure. Cause at one moment he's talking about, you know, hoes and things like that. And then he talks about, you know, empowerment and like, you know, women can make it through, difficult times and things like that. And the music video in that is dedicated to this poor uh, little girl that got uh, killed out of uh, basic people thought the, the shop owner thought she was shoplifting and long story short, pulled a gun on her and shot her. Wow. I am. I don't want to, I don't want to speculate on that one too much. I just, it's a messy situation. Yeah. And if you look into that, uh, look into that song, I need to get the name of it, but, that's one you need to dedicate uh, reading to if you want to know all the yeah. details about it. That is just the very basic spark notes of that situation. But the music video is dedicated to her, and it kind of it it kind of highlighted the the craziness of that situation. Yeah. So he was he was a layered guy. I kind of think he was a really artistic guy that kind of had an image to keep up. I think so. Yeah, I I I think he wanted to be more of an artist, but not saying he wasn't an artist, but more focused on the social issues of things. And he kind of got put into a situation where he he had this bad boy thing he had to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of exactly that wanting to be an artist, but kind of life just kind of forcing him, pushing him in that direction of yeah you know, constantly throwing shit at him to make the social issues thing, uh, is not, uh, just coming up in his career. And there's, uh, there's reports and when he was in school, like his English class, it's not like he failed cause he was unintelligent. Like he was, he was pretty with it. Like he, I don't know if you would consider yeah. him, you know, a genius and stuff, but in terms of writing, he was very good. And he had this, uh, essay he wrote that was about, basically what he would come to rap about later talking mm. about conceptions of black men in America and you know, what it's like to be, you know, the, the things that happened to him and his, you know, with the people around him in his situation. Yeah. So he was thinking about this in high school. Wow. And uh, there's a paper to prove it that he wrote and it's a well-written uh, people say I read parts of it and it seems to be well-written. Huh? But based on me, I'm not really a writer. Yeah. 
uh, with my minimal experiences in that. But, uh, you know, it, it's not something that he put on later. This mm. is something he that was important to him the whole time. Yeah, just kind of who he is. Just, yeah, it's, yeah, who he is. And he actually lived it. So, you know, he, he passes away at, uh, at 20, at uh, 25. Allegedly. Allegedly. Thank you. That's coming. Oh, that's coming. So the investigation does not go very well Mm. for the murder of Tupac. For somebody as high in the, you know, high in media as he was, as known as Tupac was, uh, and the fact that this happened on a busy street. It was 11 o'clock at night, but they say Vegas never sleeps. Yeah, that shouldn't matter in Vegas. No. So he, uh, not a lot of witnesses come forward because there's such a distrust of the police. Oh, yeah. And this is kind of where, I shouldn't say like the Im- the image kind of came back to hurt him a little bit. Like he he really didn't want any help from the cops. And maybe he wouldn't have even asked for them to do the investigation. Yeah. Maybe he knew, you know, who knows. But um, his, his, the, his uh, crew, the, certainly not the people with Suge Knight. Um, none of them had a love for the police. The people in the area didn't really have a love for the police. Fans of Tupac certainly didn't have a love for the police. So mm, basically... Yeah. This happens in the middle of the street, and they can't get a word out of anyone. The oh, cops. Wow. Yeah. The cops can't get anything out of anyone about what happened. No descriptions. They, I mean, I don't know if somebody saw something or maybe somebody finally talked about the Cadillac, but there is no details uh, from anybody really close to the scene about what happened at that time. Mm, yeah. So uh, another thing I think was that was. Uh, a contributor to this is people, if this was gang related, people were afraid of, I almost said afeared, afraid of gang retaliation. So if this was the yeah. Crips or maybe even just some local gang, because that's not just the only two gangs. Those are the big yeah. ones, the Crips and the Bloods. Seeing you say that on the news and then now you're a target out there. Right. And not even just the news, but maybe there's just this thought of, you know, a cop being on the take or something like that. Mm. You know, you need you get, you know, you're anonymous for as long as someone's willing to keep your secret that you told somebody, and yeah, maybe eventually you have to go to court with that. So you're not ever really, you know, it was it was incredibly difficult, I imagine, at the time to get mm-hmm. anything, any amount of information. But there's such a lack of information, even though that this happened in '96. Even though this happened on the busy streets of Vegas, Tupac's murder is still technically unsolved. Yeah, this was 96. This wasn't like the 1919, like 1920s. It, no, it's not. You know, no. You say there, Johnny, there's been a murder on the street. You know, it's not the 20s. Yeah. Uh, this is the 90s. Cell phones are starting to happen. I'm not saying anybody had smartphones or anything. I, I think, think a Nokia could take a picture at that time. <laughs> a very... It, it, <laughs> Uh, it would just would you look, be able to recognize anyone no, from that photo? No, no, no. no. Could could you throw that phone through a car door and it still work on the other end? Probably. Yes, I believe so. At least the old Nokia's. I don't know how the that was part are. of their commercial, their testing phase. <laughs> <laughs> Nokia's are actually the new round accepted by NATO, 
So it's become going to become the new standard. <laughs> the armor-piercing rounds are just old Nokia phones. <laughs> we just load them into the front of tanks now. <laughs> I got your service right here. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. Bam. Yeah. So the investigation is going to absolute garbage. So now we are only left with suspects all this time later, almost 30 years later. All we have are suspects Jeez. and people talking a lot of BS. Yeah. And we will be getting to more of the BS soon. But these are the actual, in my opinion, and I think to the popular opinion, these are plausible suspects. Mm. So top of the list is the Southside Crips kill Tupac. Yeah, just by the one way, of their henchmen. Just not even like anybody important. These are alleged, by the way. Yeah. Just reiterating. So one of the suspects is the Southside Crips. Uh, there's a lot there. There's Tupac's association with Shug Knight. Mm -hmm. Tupac originally wasn't a gang, too much of a gang-related guy. Until? Until the deal with Shug Knight. And then suddenly he's just a member of the mob Pyru, which is an offshoot of the Bloods. Mm -hmm. And uh, also like uh, Snoop Dogg. And uh, there's a number of California rappers that kind of went through uh, death row records yeah and suddenly tupac is you know he's sporting the west side symbol a death row records necklace in the next album uh, i believe it's mm -hmm. all eyes on me he's wearing red like it's very much he's branded now like he actually has a brand to keep up yeah and suddenly all of his songs are about gang stuff thug life becomes the top and center and he takes a step away from the social issues that were on all of the previous albums. Wow. Yeah. So um, Biggie Smalls is, has associations with the, uh, with uh, bad boy records, which is a Crips mm. affiliated record label. Mm -hmm. And uh, Biggie Smalls and Tupac were friends. And then they had a falling out when Tupac thought Biggie Smalls tried to have murdered. Yeah. Yep. That is going to pro that situation in particular. This is going to be this is going to stay about Tupac. Um, the Biggie Smalls situation and the the feud between Bad Boys versus Crips, I think, needs to be its own episode. It's so detailed. Wow, there's way too much to put here, and I didn't want to take away from Tupac. So I'm okay. I'm I'm kind of spark noting over a lot of that because there's way too much. That's another two parter waiting to happen. Yeah. So. Hey, keep that one on your on the back of your mind for season three. Those out there, uh, yeah. So him and Tupac had a falling out. This is could be, this could be the Crips retaliating over Tupac beating up that dude in the MGM lobby. Yeah, yeah. And that happened hours before his death. Oh, so theoretically, theoretically, time enough for that guy to make his way back to you know. Anybody nearby that was you know, affiliated with the Crips, tell them about what happened and then them to retaliate. It happened hours later. Wow. So maybe. Uh, Chuck Phillips, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, made an in-depth analysis of that very theory. Huh. So this again, this is a spark noted version of it. Basically, Biggie Smalls offered one million dollars and even provided the gun to kill Tupac. 
Wow. Again, this is a million dollars in 96 money. Yeah. And allegedly. Allegedly. And the gunman was actually Orlando Anderson, the man Tupac helped beat up in the MGM. Oh. So theoretically, this is retaliation for him getting beat up. And then them going, well, why don't you handle it? Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. At, uh, it's very plausible was, theory. Is it, there's something called Occam's Razor where it's the simplest solution is usually the... Yeah, yeah. Um, that one's pretty strong. Yeah. I, I'm just saying. Very plausible. Very, very plausible, but alleged lawyers out there. Alleged. <laughs> like Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. A slightly, I think, equally, but maybe less likely in the fact that uh, he'd had not quite as much beef, but enough beef to make a nice taco night with these Enough beef to make a vegan angry. Basically. um, Other drug drug dealers and other rappers, just in general. Mm. Uh, Because he rapped about the government. He rapped about cops. He rapped about other rappers. Namely, people from the east side, but some other California guys, too. Oh. Um, and he hit on, uh, he hit after drug dealers, too. Because Tupac mm. was not a fan of uh, drug dealing. Okay. You know, you had the, the, you had the crack problem uh, in the African-American community. Yeah. And he, and he obviously felt very strongly about that. And he did not like people that perpetuated that on both sides. Wow. The dealers and the government that he thought was responsible. Okay. So um, those people are also quite very dangerous. Yeah. And it could have been them. The timing, though, I don't, I'm not so sure. Why then that night? Yeah. And how would they know where he'd be? Yeah. Because they would have to have known where he was to do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, mm. I mean, if anything, they were heading, I think at worst, they would have, they were heading to the locals, the, the local, they were heading, there was a, there used to be a, a venue called the local 662 out here in Florida. Oh. But, but, you know, they, maybe they were heading to club 662 and they mm. just happened, but I doubt that. That's, that's a pretty strong coincidence. Yeah. Um, so another thing, because Tupac really went after these people, mm. you know, the drug dealers and basically anybody he deemed fit for a good a verse or two yeah after prison tupac took to wearing a bulletproof vest around wherever he went oh. and that's when he uh, and then he walked around with at least one bodyguard at all times understandable so he you know he gets up gets dressed you know does his morning routine puts on a bulletproof vest Oh, man. Meets up with Frank Alexander, and then they go out about their day. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Tupac told Oakland's KMEL radio, quote, I know one day they're going to shut the game down, but I got to have as much fun and go around the board as many times as I can before it's my turn to leave, end quote. Mm. So literally, I'm here for a good time, (laughs) not a long time. He literally said YOLO. Right, right. Uh, basically, yeah, more long story short. Um, another thing, too, was uh, he had on 
All Eyes on Me, I believe. He had a B-side diss track uh, pointed at P. Diddy or Diddy Small. Um, uh, P. Diddy, not Diddy Smalls. Puff Daddy or P. Diddy. Yeah. And then Biggie Smalls. It was the track called Hit Him Up, and it was a B-side to another song. And uh, it's, just, it's just a diss track that goes after Bad Boy Records, but namely Biggie Smalls and uh, Puff Daddy. And uh, Frank Alexander, the bodyguard, told him that he would need more reinforcements for Shakur after that song. Oh, wow. That's how strongly Frank Alexander was like, you pissed off a lot of people. You need to hire more because I can't do this by myself. Wow. That's how nervous Frank got. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he goes after the entirety, just the East Coast. He just set his sights on the East Coast. If you got a grandmama living out in the East Coast, he probably said something about her as well. Probably, probably. Like he, in in this in the diss track, uh, hit him up. He claims to have had sex with Biggie Small's wife. Oh, wow. Uh, he basically says, "I effed your wife" on uh, multiple verses. Uh, Jeez. and he's like I don't hate you but you know we were brothers once and hey but I but uh, after wife <laughs> it's, it's kind of one of those like I'm not mad at you I'm disappointed and I pity you kind of things it's, it's that so that's why I fucked wife. it's that kind of level of yeah there it is wow. way below the belt and it is a response to Biggie Smalls sent one out and then this is his response mm. And it's one of those deals, if you live in a glass house, you shouldn't throw half-baked diss tracks at Tupac. So instead, he threw a sledgehammer. Yes. Tupac had the experience. He was a better writer. Biggie, uh, Biggie had talent, but he was more of like the proper gangster. Like He was, he was mm-hmm. a pretty rough guy from the research that came up about him. But Tupac was definitely faster on the draw. Yeah, uh, Biggie looked up to Tupac when they were friends. At one point, we went over. Oh, t- Biggie wanted Tupac to be his manager, and then Tupac's like, "Nah, uh, stay with Diddy. He knows what he's doing." Because mm. Tupac was he was the artist, but he wasn't a manager. Yeah, which I mean, I think that is. I think that I mean, you wouldn't want to lead somebody astray. I wouldn't know what to do with somebody as a manager. Yeah, I mean, either that's a different skill set completely. Yeah. And I think P. Diddy's turned out pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I think he's figured it out. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you've heard his name a couple of times. So a third theory that's a little less likely, but it fits pretty good in some places, but it's a little too murder. She wrote, I think. Okay. But you let's let you decide for yourself that it was actually Suge Knight that possibly killed Tupac. Oh, so Suge Knight may have killed Tupac for planning to leave Death Row Records. Because okay. Tupac was not planning on renewing his contract. Yeah. He was, in the time that this happened, he was recording his last record that yeah. would have honored the deal. So he released a double album, but that counts as two albums. Mm. And then this would have been the third. And to, uh, mainly what I got from the, uh, the documentary about it that I saw was that Tupac thought he could get a better deal. Um, I think he thought he was going to take him for a ride. So he was, he was looking at options basically to get more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause at, at this point he's, he, he's making a lot of money, 
for somebody, but he himself is not seeing that return. If that makes sense. He's getting Jimmy, yeah. he's getting Jimi Hendrix pretty hard. Yeah. In terms of finances. And if you're not familiar with that, check out our special on Jimi Hendrix. We talk about the worst manager in history. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Basically. He was, he was screwed over. A hundred percent. Something, same thing that kind of happened with like the Beatles too. Uh, make sure you have competent management, but also make sure you don't have underhanded management. Long story short. Yeah. Uh, Tupac, like Jimi Hendrix, somebody was holding his wallet and like handing him the money to go spend it, basically. Mm-hmm. Or keeping it for himself because they thought that Tupac owed them because Tupac is $1.4 million in the hole to Shook Knight. Wow. That's how much the bail was, by the way. Good Lord. To get him out of prison was one point, around $1.4 million in 96 month, uh, 94 money, I believe it was. Jesus. Yes. Yes, ninety four, ninety five money, which is different from what we're at now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like we said earlier, Tupac's double album, All Eyes on Me, made Suge Knight a lot of money and was definitely his biggest draw for Death Row Records at the time. Yeah. So Snoop Dogg was on it, and a number of uh, other artists were on it. But and Snoop Dogg is Snoop. I mean, he's yeah, he he's incredibly famous and did incredibly well. But at the time, Tupac is the talk of the town. Okay. So yeah. he is, is a huge deal for Suge Knight to have on his record. And of course, Suge Knight wanted him to continue going on Death Row Records. Yeah. So him stepping away would essentially, you know, he would lose a ton of revenue from that. And former Death Row artists, including Snoop, uh, later accused Knight of being involved with Tupac's murder. Oh. They think he did it. Or like he was involved at the very, very least, you know, his alleged, you know, participation in the murder. Yeah. Um, and Suge Knight is known to be violent. Oh, yeah. He is currently in prison for the manslaughter of, he hit two people with his car. One of them died. Oh. And yeah. I think he was friends with one of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there was a disagreement and apparently he ends it by running them over. And he pleaded uh, guilty to, I believe it's willful manslaughter. Wow. What it was. I mean, he claimed that he couldn't see them very well or something like that. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's BS. But yeah, no, that's what he's in prison for right now. Yeah. On top of a slew. I couldn't see them. I really had to try to aim for them. I had to turn the windshield wipers on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, he needs his own episode because there is a grocery list. Of things Suge Knight has done. Yeah. In his career. Do you think bad enough to join the band Mayhem? Oh, man. I think he maybe. He could be their manager. If. Uh, I believe it was Necro Butcher. Yeah. No, Necro Butcher was the bass player. No, they. Because the, they all had stupid names in Mayhem. Yeah, they did. Which is our Halloween episode on the season finale of season one. Uh. I cannot remember the guy's name. Again, they have stupid names. I don't know if that guy would have let Suge Knight be their manager because that guy was super conceited. Mm. But maybe the new singer that took over would have, I don't know, turned him to a vase or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, one of them is a neo-Nazi and the other one's definitely a murderer of at least somebody else. Maybe not Tupac. So, mm. 
Yeah. Uh, the mayhem story is absolutely insane, by yes, the way. So yes. check, check out. out check out part one and part two for last season. Ex-detective Russell Poole conjectured that Knight had uh, conspired basically to kill Biggie because Biggie Smalls dies like six months or something after this. Oh, okay. So they die very close to each other. Yeah. You know, and Biggie's family and people thought, you know, they said he wasn't doing it. He was in New York recording at the time. Uh, but uh, the detective, Russell Poole, thought that Knight was involved with killing Biggie to divert the attention away from the Tupac case so maybe people wouldn't look into it as much. Mm. So he's like playing 4D chess or something like that in yeah. the background. I Again, I think that's a little murder she wrote. Uh. Not so sure. Shook Knight is definitely in... There is, there is an equation where Shook Knight is in it. Something in the middle happens, and then it equals other people dying. Yeah. Who that exactly is, I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's at least one person that he is actually actively killed. Wow. So... Yeah. It's not the most plausible. That's why it's it's at the bottom, but it's, it's still, still on the plausible. list of plausible. What throws it off is that he was. I think it would have more weight to it if Suge Knight was driving, maybe, or if mm. Tupac wasn't directly across from him in the BMW. Okay. Because when the guy, I mean, this guy shot fourteen times and hit Tupac. Four of those times. And right. If, if okay, so if the, if the gun, Tupac, and then Suge is on the other side of that, Suge's driving, and Tupac's riding shotgun, and the car pulls up to Tupac's side and just unloads fourteen rounds into it. So out of fourteen, he hit, four hit Tupac. Four hit Tupac, and one gr- one fragment grazed Suge Knight. Yeah, that's a little sketchy to me. Why would first off? In gang-related violence, I'm not, you know, a scholar on this, but from what I have read in the news and the stuff I've read, not the most, not a lot of marksmen yeah. in gang-related violence. Yeah, it doesn't look like it, no. Right, so I don't think Suge Knight would have trusted anybody that much to... Not hit him. Not hit him, right. So I think if Suge Knight was involved... At the very least, Tupac would have been on a seat behind him, or Suge Knight would have been in the back seat, or maybe Suge Knight would have driven, and Tupac would have been in the back. I don't think he would have been directly across for one. Yeah. And for two, I think he maybe was trying to talk him out of leaving, and I think he would have threatened Tupac in different ways, because to just kill Tupac. Yeah. Because um, maybe and maybe threatening him in some other way, because he wasn't above that, by the way. He was, he was a proper gang member. Unless it was a, hey, shoot and blatantly miss. I don't, there's no. Yeah. No. I wouldn't trust anyone. Not with me in the car. Guy pulls gun out of the car and he's supposed to do like wanted level of curving the bullet around. (laughs) It just, just graze me. Hit this guy in the chest four times, you know, in the chest a couple of times, but miss. No. Yeah. Tupac was also a very slight of build guy. Like he was 5'11", but he was skinny. Like he was, he was jacked, but but he was he was not a very big guy. So he was, Shook Knight is not a little person. Yeah. So there's no way, I, in my mind, that he trusted somebody to like pull a gun out and 
fire it. If he was super accurate, I think he would have fired less than half of the clip, right? Yeah. He's praying and spraying 14 rounds into that car. It's a miracle Suge Knight didn't get hit more. Yeah. No, I don't think Suge Knight would have done it that way. I think he would have threatened like Tupac's mom or something. Right. Because mm, yeah. Tupac has, he had family and Suge Knight is, I don't think he would be above it. Not at all. No. No. Something in something to that caliber, but I don't think he would have just had him because if he murders him, uh, he just loses his cash cow right off the bat instead of being able to try to get more out of him, you know? Yeah. Maybe even just offer him money because Tupac wanted more money. I think he would have tried that first. He was a yeah. CEO and he wasn't like a, this isn't the godfather. Like, you know, he's not putting horses in people's beds, horse heads in people's beds. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I couldn't do that. That's why it's least likely, but it still has more weight than some of the things we're going to hear about. Okay. Okay. So I do have a question for you. Oh, yeah. Time for a question, Joe. Okay. I'm going to keep playing that until you give me a new one because okay. I know you hate it. Yeah. So question for you. If you had enemies that you made as an artist, who would they be? Enemies that I make as an artist. For example, Tupac and Spin the Wheel, basically. Biggie. Yeah. Who, um, what, what enemies do you think you would make as an artist? And why? I think is the, the bigger reasoning for me. Well, I, the, what, the, I do have a follow-up, but I wanted to know this part first. If I made enemies... Let's say like a, a group of people, like, I, I don't really know. Who do you think you would make mad first? Um, I, if I ended up making enemies for what I play, it would probably end up being because like uh, another band that I played with at a venue, which are, were just treated everyone like jerks on stage you know or like was just trash at the venue like you know to the fans and to the other bands and to the uh, uh promotion company and everything else so you think uh would you it'd probably be another band at my level just people somebody being rude and not handling it well near your end yeah so what would you, what do you think you would say like, uh, what do you think would be the breaking point? Like, what do you think would make them hate you back? Um, blatantly talking to them about it to their face. Mm, so rudeness. Like, that was, you were an asshole. <laughs> All right. Just, you need to no, not be an no asshole. No mystery, no, yeah. no clever metaphors, just, yeah, no, no, you're an ass. Yeah. And those people exist. Yeah. Personally, I, for me, I think it'd be other bass players. Okay. I can kind of get that with you. I think so. Cause I have, I have pretty strong opinions about metal and uh, sorry, a uh, bass parts in metal music. Cause I think a lot of people are lazy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I will tell them, you know, when it comes to that, I have, I, I do have a better answer. Okay. What do you, what do you got? Uh, people who think a uh, solid state is better than two amps. <laughs> that's just so like people that use like kempers and things like that yeah which there's nothing wrong with it but i guess it would be the point for you if like no it's far superior and then you're like well actually it's not well and then you know 
depends on what it's you're going simulating for. for a reason you know yeah <laughs> uh, yeah for me it's not even using like a pick for bass it's it's mainly about tone because a yeah. lot of metal bass like there's a lot of metal bass one follows the bass parts so sorry follows the guitar bass chords basically yeah uh like the simplest version of it so why do you even have the other strings like you have an eight string bass sorry a six string bass why do you need the other five strings if you're just going to play the b string the whole time mm. the whole time yeah and then uh tone wise if you're just going to play like slinky slap stubby uh sub sub bass parts why why are you even there why can't they just put a backing track then because you're contributing nothing but you're you're at that point you're just a piece of equipment yeah a you're you're the subwoofer you're the subwoofer what are you offering people (laughs) woofing so that um i feel very particularly strong about that and i think i I don't really know what those people would do to me. I, I would still try and be kind. You know, I've been there. I've used a line six spider before, but you know, everybody has when they needed to, but then they learn there's better things out there. There's better things around. The spider six does what it needs to for your beginning musician. Yes. But there is a point that you need to move on, whether it be Kemper or be too vamp. I, I, <laughs> went back to some old videos of me like oh i need to remember how to play this riff later i'm gonna record it you know make a video save it for myself i'll go back to it later Mm -hmm. i found some of those videos today oh god (laughs) the tone trash the playing like my ability in playing trash the riff itself eh, has potential but oh man it it was so cringy going back through those videos Yeah, you should see my old like film projects. Oh yeah, terrible. It's it's, it's I call them my Dorian Gray. I just go back to look, and <laughs> see what I thought was good at the time as a as a film student. It's terrible, oh, terrible. But anyway, yes. Back back to Tupac. Yes. So why do people think that he's still alive? Why? I mean, with Elvis, you know. Things were a little different. He was, I would argue that he was more famous in his sphere. Yeah. He was, uh, I mean, Tupac was huge, but Elvis was so big. So, and namely being like one of the first people to become that level of famous. Yeah. The world was a little better suited to handle the fame of Tupac than it was to like make this, make that position for somebody that got as famous as Elvis. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Skill-wise, not comparing that, but literally financially, if you go to the numbers, the insanity that El- the Elvis brand still is. Yeah. But it's different because when Elvis died, he didn't have like that that much more to release that I am aware of. Like maybe the odd demo here and there, yeah. but there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of stuff he hadn't recorded as far as I know. And I will update if that changes, but I don't think it's the back catalog that, that, uh, Tupac had. Yeah. So sadly at this point in time, Tupac has released more albums after death than he did while alive. Wow. Yes. So it's a total of 11 studio albums. 
Jeez. Right? He released four of them while he was alive. One of them was getting released when he died. Okay. So he retract everything. He, you know, was getting mixed. They actually, there's a thought that the mixing was rushed to get it out to capitalize on Tupac's death. Yeah. So him's name Sadly. being in the news and then that album goes out. People commented that the quality was not what the All Eyes on Me was. Mm. Mixing wise. And he would record these really fast too. Like he would do all the tracking in a number of days and then another week would go through the mastering and then they would release it sometime later. Jeez. So production on these albums was less than a month. Yeah, that's very quick turnaround. For a number of, which is, which is as, a, as a metal musician, I think we do what vocals are at least for us like three days, depending on how many songs we have. Yeah, that's just recording. alone. Yeah. And then there's, a, there's days separated for rhythm and lead guitars, separate days, usually a separate day for bass, days for drums. Yeah. It's, it's insane to, to hear that number and for them to be actually pretty good albums in like reviews. Yeah. So he's released seven albums after he, his passing, and these are studio albums, not compilation. Mm. So these are all original, like new. These are seven albums of new songs. Wow. After death. Jeez. Right. So there, like I said, there's one, there's that fifth album that's really kind of right at when he died, but um, at least six after death. So I guess it would be technically seven because he was, he was gone before that album came out. Yeah. His back catalog, which Suge Knight has, I think currently has the rights to, because this is when he was mainly recording with Death Row Records. Mm-hmm. Shakur recorded about 150 songs during the final year of his life. Wow. He did 150 songs uh, that, are just, that are unreleased in the back catalog of like maybe things that didn't make the cut, maybe they're demos, it's something else, maybe it's scratch tracks for something, but there's 150 of these things. You know what? I want to do a quick question for you if you want to hit the button again. All right. God, that's terrible. <laughs> By the way, that's me playing guitar because I needed a, a stinger and it sounds, it sounds awful. It's, it's ransom to get Joe to make me a new one. <laughs> so my quick question for you, uh-huh. if we tried as Otherworld to get 150 songs in a year, mm-hmm. like a challenge, whether or not we release them, like we're setting this goal of we have to do this, like do 150 we, songs for this year. Do any of the, our previous like back catalog ideas or it has to be 150 new ideas, not including the things we already have? As long as it's not recorded yet. I think we'd wind up murdering one of us. Yes. But <laughs> if we, one of us would be dead, what do you might think? Be, it would probably be me or Connor because we would have killed one of the other. I mean, we'd have to find someone else to also mix a master because we couldn't put all, all of that to on put Kenny. all that out. Uh, yeah. No, Kenny, our, our uh, on hand sound wizard, he might drive down and kill us. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I think, I think Kenny would just, he would just probably, Burned down the practice area. I think even before we even attempted it, mm-hmm. you're just hearing, oh, that's your plan? No. I think you should find somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would just kind of laugh. Good luck on your future endeavors. He'd probably just laugh and hang the phone up. 
<laughs> mid laugh, mid laugh, you know. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't even want to attempt something that. Our that current goal, crazy. by the way, to put it into perspective, yeah. is to release four singles a four year. a year. <laughs> four, four, not a hundred and four, four. By the way, we're all the four of us are like perfectionists, yeah. so that's why this yeah. kind of takes a while. We want it to be really, really good, and that includes if there's a music video or a visualizer. Yeah. It's the entire is a full release in four of those in a year, which is a lot of work if it's not like your main job. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So he in the last year of his life, he apparently recorded he completed about three songs a day on average, and he re- would record verses in one take. Wow! That he would that would be cut to print, right? Jeez. So no multiple takes. You know, some songs are, com- are usually built off of the best takes of certain verses. And sometimes they go verse by verse, line by line for some songs. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, he felt that rappers who could not perform their verses on the first try weren't really rappers. Wow. So he, he felt very strongly about the craft and he wanted it to be good. So he definitely had a sense of his own level of perfectionism when it came to things. Yeah. Especially for a rapper. I mean, there's plenty of like, uh, especially when you get into this faster rapping, there's plenty of tongue twisters already. Yeah. To be able to do that in one take, you really have to know your song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's some of that stuff's really, really, it's one of the things I, I commend about rap is of like the, the more technical ones, like the technical songs, um, the sometimes the speed is insane, like you're saying, yeah, and the fact that it's still audible, like you know what they're saying, they're just speaking like the end of a, a drug ad when they're talking about yeah. the side effects, yeah, it's at that insane speed, it's at legal speed, but it's you know about whatever issue they're going into mm-hmm. or topic rather. So, some interesting things about Tupac kind of this new direction he was kind of heading for this fifth album and what he was, he might've done. Mm-hmm. So he was going just kind of, he was, kinda, he might've changed from Tupac to the name Machiavelli. Huh? So I don't know if he would have completely dropped Tupac. Don't really, nobody really knows, but he was, that was kind of becoming his new stage name. Like he, that was kind of this new, genre that not genre but era maybe he was going into that he was going to be known for a while okay uh because puff i mean puff daddy became p diddy and maybe he's just changing names up rebranding yeah uh the album released right after there was an album released right after his death called don Caluminati, the don Caluminati, the seven day theory um sometimes it's called uh machiavelli or the seven day theory depending on who you ask yeah this would have. Uh, this is the fifth album. This is the last album he released that he had direct creative input on. Okay. So again, get into some Jimi Hendrix stuff with. Maybe he wouldn't have released to that, but we want another album of Tupac, so put it on there. Oh yeah, right. So maybe he recorded things in one take, but maybe he wouldn't have used the song, right? Because yeah. sometimes when you write an album, you'll have. 15 to 20 songs for a full album. And maybe you use like 12 of them mm-hmm. and you don't think the other ones meet it for some reason or another. 
you know, yeah. you pick the 12 strongest in that strongest order. This album was meant to be more of an underground release, and that's why he used the pseudonym Machiavelli. Like he maybe was trying out something else. Like, you know, some people release music under different names, kind of as like a low key thing because they have a passion for another song or another type of music, but they can't really do it. Yeah. Like this was still rap, but this was different subject matter than he was getting known for at the time. Okay. Right. So the name Machiavelli, which is spelled M-A-K-A-V-E-L-I, it's kind of a play. It's a playful respelling of of a name that comes from Niccolo Machiave- Machiavelli, which is M A C H I A V E L L I, the author of a book called The Prince. Hmm. So, when Pac was in prison, he read like The Art of War, and he read a bunch of books. And Machiave- Machiavelli was one of the like he read The Prince in prison. Okay. Um, cause he, 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 he had a, I mean, not a lot of people read books like that. Yeah. This is a guy that thought a lot about stuff, whether you liked him or you hated him. Uh, he definitely, he was into some highbrow shit. Yeah. Um, Machiavelli was an Italian war strategist and had wrote many books on war. The prince basically talks about you do all the horrible things you need to do to get to where you you the, to claim power like the fastest but you have to you have to do all this evil strategically mm. basically it's like the the dirty way to get power but you have to do all this stuff in a controlled quick burst so that you can get past it as quickly as possible i think it says something about so people can start forgetting it and wow. so like you kind of like ascend to power and then you just kind of leave this stuff further behind you. Yeah. And that's why it has to be a kind of calculated evil pretty much. Wow. Yeah. It's an interesting book. Um, something to note too, uh, that uh, a lot of, let's just say interesting world leaders like uh, Stalin and Hitler were both known to have read this book. Mm. Yeah. They didn't really end well. From uh, what I am to remember. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think when you screw over a lot of people. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they uh, really read the part where it said you're supposed to do the evil quickly. Quickly. And get it over with. Well, it depends on how you look at Hitler. Well, he, I think it's a ratio, a kind of a, like a, what is a, in context thing. He did a lot. For the amount of evil he did, I would say he did it very quickly. Yeah. Like he, horribly efficient at what he did. Uh, the book also advocates that you should fake your own death to fool your enemies. Well, I think that's what happens when you get that power you were looking for in the way that mm, you got that power. Yes. Uh, where's my tin hat? Hmm, let me get it. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so I get, so you see where this is going. I, I, I understand a little bit more. So uh, one of the things they say was that you fake your death at a certain point and you come back. I think the number was 18 years later. And, uh, you know, uh, I think we're past that. To fool your enemies. Yes. Yeah. So um, two, for Tupac, if he was to come back following that strategy, and I don't know if 18 is the number, but that kept coming up. Like, you know, yeah. he'd come back 18 years specifically, something like that. And for Tupac, that would have been September 13th, 2003. Hmm. Good year. Damn. Missed it by 20 years. 
Well, he came back. He saw what was currently going on on Dis- like Disney Channel. He was like, you know, I'm going to give it some more time. Man, Smart House sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Would that say 13th year? Nah, luck of the Irish in basketball? That sucks. Yeah. I watched all of those movies. <laughs> I've watched so many. Miracle on Something Lane with Frankie Muniz. So many of those direct to TV movies. Um, there are forums or were forums dedicated to this. Uh, one of them being Tupac lives forums dedicated, waiting for Tupac's return, the return, the return. So I have another question for you. We're really using that button. Really, really milking it today. So what would your underground project be, Joe? And what would your alias for this project be? Something completely off the wall. Oh, off the wall. Well, I mean, I mean, if you have an if you have an immediate off the top of your head answer, go with that one. Like, what what would your alias for it be if you needed one? Let's say let's say you needed one, and what would it be for this project? Um, uh, I had uh my my gamer tag that I used a lot, which was Yarvin the Celt, um, which was sometimes uh if I needed like a uh you know a throwaway email. Or something on like a website that I'm like, eh, this looks a little shady. I don't, I don't really want to risk getting spammed. <laughs> I'm gonna throw that on there. One of them subscription sites, huh? Oh yeah, uh, just click it in there real quick. Um, uh, as far as a side project, I'm, I'm thinking about. I want to span. I want to try out multiple genres, and just see what happens. Yeah. But any uh, so Yarvin the Celt. Oh yeah. And then just, I don't know, what, folk metal? Something like that? Folk metal, maybe some jazz. Yarvin the Celt and jazz? I'm, I'm listening to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think I, there is a, these, oh, I have such a dumb project I want to do. <laughs> it's so dumb. Those are the most fun, though. It's so dumb. I want to make, um, uh, it's kind of ironic because we, for this, over this weekend, we were at the Mastodon and uh, Gojira uh, concert that happened in Florida. so good it was so good really really good and they actually made this joke at the end but i want to make <laughs> whale metal <laughs> but proper whale metal like with whale sounds oh yeah so um i don't know what my name would be you know what in our comment section what do you think my alias <laughs> should be leave for a my, review for my man. whale my whale metal project and then maybe if i make it uh, we can maybe donate the dollars that I will get to it to something for whales. <laughs> I would do it. Whale rescue project. Not, I would. I mean, it's I, the five dollars that it um, might be from me that I put into my own project. <laughs> I totally would. But I mean, all of it would be annoyingly good music, like good music, but like why? And then the vocals are all like actual samples of. <laughs> No, no real whales. Just mimicking whale mimicking noises. <laughs> you know what? That's better. That's better. I'm do like a three song EP. I already have the album cover picked out. Like I already know what I'm gonna do. If we can get someone to make whale noises, but like in a scream, like in a metal scream. No, do no, like some just, uh, just whale sound. Just for one like extra bonus track as the uh, we'll call it the alpha whale. <laughs> do some like a uh, uh, five finger death punch style no riffs no we're not gonna taint this <laughs> this pure project 
I don't want that. <laughs> Get out of here. I'll do my whale medal. Um, there is there are artists who have done this though. Other artists who have done this that have made material outside the normal market. And I think that this is I've got this on the list for a future episode. Oh, but um, one of these real famous versions of that was Garth Brooks. Hmm. Do you remember the music of a man named Chris Gaines? No. Well, this was Garth Brooks' alter ego, who was an Australian rock singer. <laughs> what? It's a real, real <laughs> shit. That's a real thing that happened. Oh my god. Um, he's, he was Chris Gaines. He was Australian, and there's he's got a whole backstory that I, I had to stop reading into it because I was just gonna save it for a future episode, and I needed to get back to reading on Tupac. But it is, it's bizarre. The most annoying part about it is it's not bad. <laughs> I'd probably listen to more of that than actual Garth Brooks. If you know what Garth Brooks sounds like and you hear it, and you hear him that he's not like hamming up the country thing, mm. you know, the hero, that, that note yeah. that, that just, that's the country twang for some reason. You have a guy who talks normal from, I don't know, Florida like me. That yeah. This is the Florida accent, by the way. Yes. This is born and raised in Florida. Yep. And it gets a little weirder when you get in Tallahassee and a little more Cuban when you get down towards the Miami. But for 80% of the state, this is what we sound like. Yep. Right? So you'll have a guy come from Florida, let's say, get in a country band, and now he's singing like this out of nowhere. Yeah. It is hammed up. I was listening to a song about a guy who wrote a country song about a, about a girl, girl. Oh, God. Going, ooh. <laughs> That's literally the song. It's so bad. Oh, my God. God, modern country is awful. It's so bad. Yeah. But anyway, back to country that's not really terrible uh, is uh, Garth Brooks. If, if you know what Garth Brooks sounds like, you hear it in Chris Gaines' voice. Um, and if you like, and it's soft rock, it's soft rock. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's not like it's hard or anything, but in the right mood, like a drive in the evening, there's a song called lost in you. It's not bad. It's okay. not, it's not bad. And I think Garth Brooks is in on the joke. He did an SNL bit where he was both Garth, Garth Brooks and Chris Gaines. Nice. So I think he's in on the joke, but okay. it is a bizarre project, but that's going to be a whole episode. Like not just him, but multiple people that have done it okay yeah the side projects yes i like it so now we're gonna get into out there theories yes so we've kind of talked about you know he kept releasing albums uh for one thing and you know you have one album after his death like the album that came out uh right away and you're like okay all right so i get it this was ready to go i get it Six more albums follow that. He released albums up till 2006. Like, that's how he had that many albums ready to go. He was releasing still steadily, like, every couple of years till 2006. Mm. Well, not him, but his estate was. Wow. So imagine, like, mentally that kind of messing with people. Oh, yeah. Right? So he's releasing albums. I can't really do the math, but, like, almost a decade after he dies. So... Yeah, I mean, it, you know, oh, did you hear that Tupac released a new album? Didn't he, he die? The, the, oh. the guy that 
died a decade ago? No, no, it, this is new. So Matt, and then you got new pictures to go with it. And it's not like, like pictures maybe that he took that they hadn't released. So pictures. Wow. I yeah. should say that that people hadn't seen yet. Not that weren't already taken, but yes. pictures that people hadn't seen yet. And um, a lot of people weren't crazy about the Don Caluminati album because they thought it was, you know, I, I don't think it was meant to be one of the major releases, but it's a thing with Tupac on it. And he mm. had, that was the thing that was ready to go. So, of course, they're going to release it. Mm. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's business. It's cold, but that's, that's business. They're going to, of course, they're going to do that. Yeah, I also feel like uh, some, someone in uh, Suge Knight's uh, marketing team, if not Suge Knight himself, was definitely like, oh, we can definitely play to the fact that people feel, still think he's alive. It's funny that you say that because that's coming up later. Mm. Yeah. So right on the money. Conspiracies sell tickets. So CDs. Get that. Maybe put a second tinfoil hat on top of your tinfoil hat. Donning on my entire tinfoil armor. So um, Tupac sightings to go along. Okay. So he's still releasing music up until 2006. So everyone's like, didn't he die? And that's enough to keep that conversation going. And he has been reported in places ranging from Malaysia, and this is according to Suge Knight Jr., uh, and that he, as of 2017, Tupac is working on a new album. Nice. Hasn't released it yet in six years. Nice. So uh, it's He's a perfectionist. Perfectionist. Um, that he is allegedly living in Cuba with family. I was wondering why Cuba kept coming up. Because when it, mm-hmm. that came up a lot with Tupac, I was like, why Cuba? Why do people keep saying Malay? Like Malaysia is only from Suge Knight Jr. so far. Yeah. Um, and I was like, why Cuba though? Because that kept coming up over and over. And even this like BS um, journalistic group, you yeah. know, some amateur definitely staged this thing with a guy who kind of sort of looks like Tupac. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, it's because Tupac has family, or at least a, his godmother is in Cuba. Mm. Fun fact about her. She is avoiding murder charges that she got in the late 70s for killing a traffic cop, I believe. Oh. Um, and you would think, okay, there's more to that. And there, probably, and there definitely is. But she's also like held up people at a bank. She's threatened other people. She's, she doesn't seem like a great character. Mm. Yes lot to dig into her but she's she's still around i believe um but uh she is in cuba and she's uh while she's in cuba she has uh whatever it is like diplomatic something not immunity but mm, yeah. um she's a refugee of the state or something like that okay whatever that term is so basically while she's in cuba cuba's protecting her from the united states oh. so to like drag her back to america to go through the court that she should probably go through uh, would be like an act of uh, an offense against Cuba itself. Wow, that's where they—that's where they're at right now. Okay. So, another one is uh, uh, he's been seen in New Orleans, and huh. uh, you know you might want to take this one a little heavier than the other ones, a little more truthful because it was reported by TMZ in 2009. Oh well, that is true. Obviously, yeah. He moved there. He faked his own death, moved to New Orleans, but then he actually did die in a hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, the luck. All of that just to get there and then get taken out by Irma. Yeah. So, yeah, TMZ was like straight up, like, not like a guy looks like Tupac. Like, Tupac is alive. Like, they literally put, like, mm. as a tweet where they're just wow. like straight up uh, bullshit. Like, TMZ needed to end a long time ago. The only factual news source we have left. <laughs> um, and the in Tupac's 2003 album, of course, this is released after his death. Um, there's the album Better Days has an outro where Tupac repeats, expect me, inward, like you expect Jesus to come back. I'm coming over and over. So literally saying I'm going to come back like Jesus. Mm. So still releasing albums to 2006. TMZ says he's in New Orleans. And 2009, that's later. 2003, he gets a verse comparing himself to Jesus's return. Nice. So it's just fueling people, like, without help from any outside source except for TMZ. Um, he's, I mean, he's built in this uh, faking your death thing. And Machiavelli, it's, it's debated whether he actually did it or not. And the name Machiavelli being um, a guy who promoted faking your own death. So the ingredient, yeah. there's so many ingredients for this. Uh, you take your potato, conspiracy potato, and you put it inside the tinfoil hat. And then you start putting your dressings on it before you put it in the oven. Yeah. I mean, we're going to double bake this conspiracy potato. Have you ever seen Tupac and Jesus Christ in the same room? Hey, we don't know. We don't he know. may be more accurate to that than he was putting on. <laughs> Jesus has pretty solid abs. <laughs> and and uh, spits some bars. Spits some bars and it's got thug life tattooed across <laughs> his stomach. <laughs> ah, you know what? Favors the West Coast, though. So. Oh, that sucks. Us over here on the East. Not going to make it. Damn it. So... Um, I know you wanted to talk about this more and we're going to talk about this just a little bit because I, the more of the, like the morality of this is going to be discussed in a later episode, potentially a Halloween special down the line. Okay. Yeah. But I know you wanted to talk about it. So we're going to get into it just a little bit. Um, the hologram performance. Ah, yes. So in Coachella, Coachella, I can't say that normal anymore. <laughs> So in Coachella 2012, uh, it featured a hologram performance of Tupac, right? Yes. On stage. Yeah. Uh, coming up out of the, the quote unquote floor and then performing with uh, Snoop Dogg and I can't remember who else. But uh, Dr. Dre, I believe, was there like, mm. or he was involved with it, um, performing with them on stage. Like they're addressing him like. You know, he's like, what's up, Snoop? And Snoop's like, what's up, Pac, bro? And then they perform again. That would be so awkward. Yeah. To have an actually, I don't, I, not again. That's for a future episode. Okay. Um, but it was created by Digital Domain, the people that did the Benjamin Button special effects. Oh, wow. And the Titanic. Um, the, Wall, the Wall Street Journal had an interview with the creative officer of Digital Domain, and he said that this was not found footage. This is not archival footage. This is an illusion. This is just the beginning. Dr. Dre has a massive vision for this. So what he's telling you is that the image of Tupac that you've seen, look it up, Tupac 2012, yeah. that is a body double with basically a digital face. Mm. Like it's a, it's a body double, but 
is way more ripped than Tupac actually was. Like he's like, when I say that Tupac was in incredible shape, but he was like human achievable levels of in shape. This body double was like Marvel superhero. Well, this was how many years after he supposedly died? This is in 2012. There's a fun fact about Coachella I need to bring up. He could have got ripped between that time. Oh, being dead. Yeah, if he <laughs> Not, was, if alive, was alive, then he could have gotten ripped. But he would he would time. have had to have been down to like five percent body fat, dude. It was insanity. <laughs> being dead really gets a lot rid of a lot of fat. You know what? That is a very solid point. More diet tips with Joe. But, <laughs> but essentially, um, his uh, it's like an early version of deep fake is really what it was. Okay. Way more technical parts into it. And everything had to be like rehearsed. So it's not as like sporadic as deep fake can be. Yeah. But it was a convincing, convincing enough on a screen. And he addresses Coachella. Like this isn't like even a recording of Tupac. This is a body double and wow. impersonator basically. Uh, rapping like Tupac. Okay. So he's, uh, yeah, no, this is like, he's like, what's up, Coachella? And there's a thing with that that couldn't have happened because Tupac died in 96 and Coachella started in 1999. Exactly. So there's no way he could have said not that. Tupac. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? He, God bless that sense of wonder. <laughs> <laughs> uh by the way uh by the way dr dre had big plans for that but that company went bankrupt oh that made the program <laughs> they were already morally bankrupt so maybe the finances just caught up to it yeah afterwards. tupac's real expensive to hire especially when he's dead yeah yeah uh, prices go up so what so what are your thoughts on the rumor that tupac's still alive <laughs> oh god Mark my words, I will have something else to put on that button by the next time we record. <laughs> All right, good. You've got, um, <laughs> you've got two weeks. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, it it happens. It's going to happen with so many other more people in the future, probably. Yeah. It's if there's any uncertainty in in someone's death that is very famous, it someone's going to say that they're still alive. Yeah, and just people like him being, I don't know if he was beloved, but he was definitely a respected figure in the uh, artistic community, and people just weren't ready for him to go. Yeah, yeah it seems like if if you have someone that that's at that level and uh, their death wasn't on video, then so you can't question it. Like, you, this is the guy who did it. This is the weapon. There's video to prove it. I think up until like the early 2000s, that would be viable. But now it'd be, oh, it's D-Pick. Yeah. So now. That was set up. That was screen screen. Right. So now it's, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. Well, that's the new smoke and mirrors, right? It was D-Pick. Yeah. So yeah. it's now we can't even trust the things that we're seeing on TV. But no, I mean, things that, you know, it's it's tough. Like there was a thing that uh, Jordan Peele did where he did his Obama impression. And yeah. it was a completely fabricated video of Obama talking about something that he never talked about. Yeah. And, and I was, mean, now you don't even have to be good at impressions. AI can make you sound like that person, too. Ah, man, I'm going to sound old, but I'm just not a fan of it. Yeah. Not a fan of a lot of AI. Yeah. It's, it's taken over a lot of the uh, 
it has the potential to take almost all of the career, uh, creative based careers. That's a whole other debate. I don't think it has the potential to stifle it for a while, but basically it'll just be the beginning of the end of all new ideas. Yeah. Everything that will be made with AI in that sense, like the, the images that people used as their mm-hmm. profile pictures, all of that will just be stolen artwork from other people that there's a set bank of that. Yeah. And then that will be the only bank that it draws from for perpetuity and i guess until it steals more art so yeah if you stop hiring people to make new art then that ends and then again you have the set bank of stuff that you've stolen from people that you owe money to yeah i i have very strong feelings yeah so those are my new enemies uh (laughs) the people that made that ai site and uh i i i hope they get sued (laughs) or the people who come out to you as like ai art is just so much better man I I will stop talking Go to, to hell, them. Brother. You know, I'm not going to say that because um, I reserve that for a very special few people. Mm, but yes, um, that's like just like the buckshot. I keep that. I keep I only have so many of those. So I, I keep those are my special bullets. <laughs> um, no, but um, I will stop talking to them about creative things because uh, they will be bankrupt creatively in my eyes. Like if OK, so if if you if you need the computer to hold your hand to come up with something special and you won't just pay somebody like i i'm not gonna get in this debate right yeah i have strong feelings about it um but somebody who had a lot of cool ideas tupac um i think he was just here for such a short time in like the uh really just on earth he was 25 but yeah in his creative like span was really four years that people really knew about him which is too short I think people really liked his stuff. And then because the albums afterwards, people liked. I think him passing helped the popularity of it. Yeah, definitely. But I think the majority of them went platinum. And that I mean, maybe the first two after he passes, that's like, okay, you can use that as the excuse. But by the last album in 2006, and it still goes platinum. I mean, it's probably still pretty good. Yeah. He's probably still alive. <laughs> <laughs> So, so some, some skeptical conclusions, um, for this is one thought that Suge Knight, you you kind of, you called it really early that Suge Knight is intentionally keeping this rumor going, uh, to have a large, you know, being the owner of a lot of, um, of, uh, those 150 songs that Tupac hasn't released. Yeah. Having this rumor going around that he might still be alive keeps more interest and basically keeps the value of all that unreleased stuff. Oh, yeah. As, as much as you can keep his name circulating, then right. his albums are going to do better. Uh, as of 2017, uh, this is when his son started perpetuating the Malaysia thing. Uh, Ice-T had this interview show where he called uh, Suge Knight from prison. And he asked him, you know, is, is he still alive? Do you know what happened to him? You know, do you know more about the story? And basically it came down to, well, with Pac, you never know. Oh, not I watched him die, basically. Like, it just is (laughs) not a big fan. And another, according to filmmaker Rick Boss, uh, Tupac switched with a body double after learning someone was trying to assassinate him. So, but in Vegas, before he gets in the car with Suge Knight, apparently he switched with a body double because there's apparently so many people that look like Tupac. Enough to have a photo that looked like a photo was taken like minutes before he was shot. 
of him and Suge Knight in the car. So oh, wow. between that photo, which is timestamped because it was like a Polaroid or whatever, mm. to when he gets murdered, basically, um, he would have had he would have switched to a body double in minutes in the middle of the road. Um, by the way, Rick Boss just so happens to be the director of a documentary about Tupac. So of course he is going to try to keep that name relevant, yeah. like you said. And he claims that Tupac is hiding out in New Mexico and alluded to having direct contact with him. Yeah. Yeah. Sure you do, bud. Sure you do. Um, I called this poking at the grave. Just. I like that term. Just doing what he can. I mean, just a, it's another way of saying beating a dead horse, but it literally just not really letting him rest or letting his story rest and just kind of giving him the, the due respect that he deserves. As far as I know, his mother and family isn't as bad as Hendrix with the releasing mm. absolutely every second of footage and thing about him. She did sign off on something Eminem did, but um, as far as I know, she is, I think there's a quote she's saying that I hope, I want, she wondered if heaven had a ghetto. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure she is trying to cope with the fact that he is gone. As wow. in, like, she believes he is gone and, like, you know, she's moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as I know, at least, like, I don't believe his family is involved with this stuff. It's just literally Knight who has the rights to so much of his material. Yeah. That's. Uh, I, I do have uh, different feelings on that now, especially that I uh, uh, rewatched some of my older videos of me. Uh, before songs were fleshed yeah. out. Uh, yeah, maybe not want to have those released to the public. I will say in some cool things that uh, his mother has done, uh, she started a foundation, I believe it's the Tupac Shakur Foundation or something like that. And it's uh, a program to help students like with art, like to get them into art programs and stuff like that so that she's doing some good. Okay. She was, of the money he had, I believe he was worth like, two hundred thousand dollars or something like that at the time wow that's what i mean like he he wasn't in control of all the assets that he should have been yeah um he left everything to her so she is doing some good with it from uh what i read okay so there's there is something coming out of this that isn't suge knight milking this dude's legacy well and on that note we are on Twitter at Phantom Jukebox underscore, Facebook at Phantom Jukebox, Instagram at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. Come talk to you best. Tell you how, how you thought us about the this episode and uh, uh, what Ty's name should be on if yeah, you were to create my, a side my project. Whale Core Project. I need, we need a name for it, and then we can begin on everything else that would be helpful. <laughs> if there's enough hype around this and if enough people submit names, I will do it. Yeah. I have the means. I will help you. Thank you very much. We'll get Kenny involved. We'll get it professionally mixed and we will release it. Or, or we will do our best uh, to, I don't know. If we're gonna... How heavy do you want to make it? Um, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like detrimentally heavy. With it, maybe death metal. So there's still some melody involved. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I will totally do this and like maybe release it, uh, release it as some kind of like charity EP or something like that. Totally will do it if there's enough response for it and uh, to justify the time. 
but <laughs> I have we have the means. We have the means to do it. So we just need uh we just need the green light from you guys, basically. <laughs> Tell your friends. Um so we're uh we also have a band, Otherworld, that makes legit oh. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh check out Otherworld uh, or Otherworld TV on YouTube. Uh we have our song The Lantern, we have uh Waters Await. We just released a music video called Quiet Place. Yes. Really, really happy with the way that music video came out. 100%. It looks great. It, I'm very happy with it. It's, uh, one of my favorite editing jobs on that, but like the, the film work from Caleb was great. Um, so I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Uh, check yes. us out on Spotify, Apple. Leave us a review. It would really help. Uh, thank you for joining us on this two-parter into Tupac. I want to thank, uh, again, you all out there. I want to thank Kenny Grooms for the mixing on the intro. Uh, that was fun writing that, but having him get it and do his wizardry on it and to bring it to the next level, it's a fun one to listen to every other week. Oh, yeah. Yes, I still jam to it. <laughs> I would say it's on my iPod, but, you know, it, who has iPods anymore? <laughs> um, but uh, also thank you to uh, Dakota Galvin, the social media sorceress helping us out with the socials and uh, helping out with research on this one. Ah. Thank you, Joe, for being here. And thank you, Ty. I had a fun time. This was a fun one. This uh, is a, this is a new, I need to get more into the genre. Again, if you got a playlist, send it over uh, uh, to help us. Like we need a, what's the word? A chaperone or guided list of like, here's where you start. Because yes. I could do that for somebody with metal, and I will totally trade playlist for playlist of like, here's how you ease into metal. 100%. And, and where you might want to go with it, give you a good sampler. Yeah. Do that for us with, uh, with rapper and hip hop. Uh, I do like some older stuff, but I'll get into something more contemporary. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hit us up. I, I do like donning the uh, tinfoil hats when we can. <laughs> I don't know if you need a tinfoil hat for rap. <laughs> No, 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 no. For this episode as well. We get oh, yeah, yeah. From yeah. this episode. I really do like uh, when we can don the tinfoil. And I would like to again soon. Don the tinfoils is going to be a shirt. <laughs> That's what we're going to call it. When we get into those sections of an episode, don the tinfoil. And we need a, it's another sounder okay. I'm going to need from you. Okay, yeah. You got two. Okay. I need two on those. I got you. All right. You have two weeks. <laughs> all right. So thank you, everybody, for listening. That's uh, That's all I've got. And until next time.